Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 1 through 4. If you're using a Bible in front of you, it's page 811. I'm right on all that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I knew what he was preaching, but been known to forget. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you uh, that you you speak to us uh, powerfully and authoritatively um, and sufficiently through your word. Um, may May we trust your word. Uh, may we not diminish your word in our lives this morning, during this hour. Uh, may we sit humbly um, and attentively um, under what your word says. And, and Lord, um, would you help me um, as, as the one who has the opportunity to, to teach, um, as the one who um, has just this, this time to be faithful, um, and, and Lord, to, to um, represent you well, um, to represent your word well, there are things that we don't know um, that, that we need you to teach us. There are things that we are not that we need you to help us to become. Um, and, and Lord, we trust you this morning, and, and we, again, humble ourselves under uh, what your word has to say this morning. Thank you for loving us um, through your word um, and through your son um, and by your spirit, and we pray these things um, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may have a seat. It's nice to see you this morning. Um, we are <clears throat> rolling through Matthew chapter 6. Before we get started, though, um, Jordan's already rolling his eyes because he knows exactly what's coming. Jordan Chelsea, would you guys come up? Uh, we're going to take time actually right now uh, rather than at the end um, to just uh, pray for Jordan specifically. Um, come, yeah, come right here. Next week, a week from today, um, Jordan will be standing right here preaching his first sermon. Um, and so next Sunday morning... Uh, the Lord, the Lord has just called him into that, um, and he's, he believes, and, and we believe as a church, he is. Jordan's actually um, going through our elder process right now um, to become one of our elders here at Grace Harbor, which hopefully will happen sometime around November. Um, and so what a, well, he's shaking your head. You're like, you're not gonna, we're not gonna be done by November is what he's saying. Um, and so uh, Jordan is preaching, um, and, and hey, that's just kind of the, the, if you've been around Grace Harbor long, you know um, that you see a variety of faces um, here. In fact, um, I have the next two weeks off because Jordan's preaching next Sunday, and then following Sunday, we have a, a, a guest coming um, to, to preach that week. But this morning, what we want to do is we just want to pray for Jordan, um, that the Spirit would, would lead him. Um, Jordan's an overachiever. I think he's already got his sermon written, so he could just preach this morning. Um, and so, hey, this is also just an opportunity for us to say, hey, we, we want to see more of this. We want to see more men who are called to preach God's word. Um, and, and that's what we're going to give 
a, a, a portion of our time to as a church um, that you don't just hear from one person, but that you hear from, from multiple people because there's wisdom in multiple voices. And so um, not like in a weird way, but um, Jordan will be preaching next Sunday. And so everybody come, bring your friends and neighbors. It's going to be epic. So we're going to pray for Jordan and Chelsea as well. Um, I grew up with Jordan. Um, and then there was probably like a 10 year gap where I didn't see Jordan ever. Um, and then just through a crazy set of circumstances, we kind of reconnected. Um, and, and the Lord about five years ago brought Jordan to faith. Um, and obviously through, through all of that has just been faithful to Jordan and faithful to us, um, and letting us see Jordan grow, um, and, and flourish and Chelsea as well. Jordan baptized Chelsea about a month ago, month and a half ago. So, um, just, just, we're really excited. So let's pray for Jordan. Um, and, and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you and we thank you for, uh, your faithfulness to us, um, through, through various different avenues, through different ways, um, even in calling people to yourself, um, to faith, um, to, to seeing them through, um, to, to conforming them more and more to the image of your son, and, um, and then, Lord, raising, raising people up to, to lead, to serve, um, and to, to preach your word. Lord, we're, we're asking for more of that. We're asking for more men to, to hear and to um, respond to that call. Um, and that we would be a faithful church that equips, a faithful church that sends and, um, and supports and all of those things. And so, Lord, just be with Jordan, um, between, especially between now and next week when, when he shares with us from your word. And uh, we give you glory and honor for that. Praise things in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Um, if, if you haven't already or if you don't have one, please grab a Bible um, and, and, uh, and, and follow along there. So we see, we see a little bit of a shift happen here in Matthew chapter six in the sermon of Jesus. Um, one way that you might say or understand this shift that happens, um, if, you, if you notice and if you've been with us, um, one, one way that, that you might understand this is that in chapter five, Jesus really started off heavy and gave us um, kind of the what, the what of the kingdom citizen, like what kind of person um, is a follower of Jesus? What kind of citizen is one who wants citizenship inside the kingdom of heaven? And here in chapter six, he, he starts off um, kind of giving us the how, that the how of, of the kingdom citizens. Now, now, I don't think Jesus is being quite that pragmatic for us. <laughs> I don't think Jesus is doing his three points in a song thing, or he's, he's trying to be pragmatic in his uh, delivery here. But it's a way for us to kind of understand as we go in. So, so just kind of keep that framework in mind, that Jesus is about to kind of tell us the, the, the how of the kingdom citizen. And so while the way that chapter 6 opens seems to bring about a warning. I mean, the first word of chapter six literally is beware, right? Um, so, so while the way that chapter six opens seems to bring this warning, what, what proceeds in this text and what follows in this text is not just a warning, and I really want us to see this, okay? This is gonna set the tone for us. It's not just a warning, but it's some instruction and some guidance that we need from our shepherd. Um, and not only instruction and guidance, but as we work our way through the text this morning, there's even some blessing and assurance for those who are God's children. And hey, don't we all need some assurance of our Father's love? 
We do. If you don't know that, you do. You need assurance of the love of your heavenly Father, and Jesus gives that here. In fact, it was, it was interesting this um, week to see the way that today's sermon developed and evolved in my mind. And so um, a lot of change happened in my life this week, uh, as you can see, um, with the mustache. I also started like setting, a, setting an early alarm and taking a walk in the morning. Um, and so Really, a lot of this sermon was written over uh, between Rockwell and MacArthur, or Rockwell and 100, sorry, Hefner and 122nd off Rockwell, okay? That's a lot of where this sermon was written this week in my mind, um, just in some time with the Lord in the morning. And it really just kind of interesting as I pondered this text, um, the way that it just kind of developed and the way that kind of settled into my my heart and my mind and my my hope this morning is to be faithful to what it says, Uh, but but also um, to, to communicate and, 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 and help us understand the tone of what Jesus is teaching here and what we ought to take away from it. And so what I mean by what I just said is I believe that I have kind of a unique opportunity this morning um, through this text to today to be kind of pastorally affirming to us as the people of God um, as the people of Grace Harbor, based on what I personally know about us, based on what the last four and a half, five years have, have taught me about what kind of people you are. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is, that is that if you've been around Grace Harbor for any length of time um, at, at all, uh, that you know that the folks that are sitting around you, literally within arm's reach, um, are a generous and thoughtful people. They're kind people. They're thoughtful people. We're imperfect but, but if you've been around and if anything's kind of happened in your life, um, first of all, you know that we're imperfect, but you also know that the people sitting around you are a generous, thoughtful, kind people. Um, many here in this room are the recipients um, and have experienced an act of generosity or hospitality at one point or another. Um, by the way, this is a, this is a characteristic um, that doesn't only mark us as a church, but as a characteristic that, that historically marks the people of God, right? And so if we are not this way, um, I'm not saying we're not Christians, but I am saying that we're not acting like Christians if we're not this way. Um, and so maybe there's some, maybe that's part of some of the, the encouragement that we can take from this, but, but I know that my family personally has experienced the kindness and the hospitality, the generosity of people here, the thoughtfulness um, just like the, the, like, how in the world did you even think that, that this was a time that we needed something like that? And, and so notice what Jesus says here in this text. We'll, we'll get to this more in just a minute, but two different times, Jesus says, what? When you give. He says, when you give. And so there's an, an assumption, even by Christ himself, there's an assumption and an expectation that the people of God who, by the way, have been the recipients of great mercy and grace, will in turn be people of great generosity and mercy, right? Jesus is anticipating this, assuming this, expecting this of kingdom citizens, that as recipients of the mercy of God, it's kind of why we read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, to reinforce that idea that we were once dead, but God being rich in mercy, he made us alive because of the great love with which he had for us. And so there's this teaching and assumption expectation that the people of God, because of what they have received, will then give the same kind of mercy and generosity to others. And so again, we'll get to that more in just a moment. But for now, church, I just want to, I just want to like take a minute to encourage you and, and affirm in you your faithfulness 
in this area and then encourage further where the Bible will further encourage us in Galatians 6. So we're generous, right? We're faithful people. You are a hospitable people. And then Paul later on, he's going to acknowledge that it gets hard to do that. Because I think what he says is, I think that he acknowledges that in what he says in Galatians 6, 9, that we would not grow weary of doing good. He literally says, don't give up. Don't give up in this. Don't grow weary because, hey, if, if you're anything like me, um, you, can, you can give and you can, you can be hospitable and generous. And then when you realize that maybe it's not being reciprocated, guess what? You get weary, don't you? You get tired. You get weary. You start thinking all these things. And, 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 and the, the encouragement that I would give is the same encouragement that we see Paul give. Don't grow weary in doing that. Don't grow weary in it. Don't grow callous. Don't grow jealous. Don't grow in any of these ways weary of doing the good that God has called you to do. And so um, I have a, a note here and I've planned even now to just take time and pray. I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray for us as we hear what Jesus teaches. Um, I wanna pray for us that we would not grow weary in doing good, that we would be a church that even today would, would kind of recommit ourselves um, to continuing to being generous to one another um, and, and even to those outside of the, the household of faith. And so let's, let's pray for that. Father, we, we approach you this morning knowing that we have been given much um, by you, um, that we have um, been the, the recipients of, of great mercy. And so, Lord, would we not disconnect um, disconnect what you're, what you're calling us to and what you're encouraging us in from what we have been given by you. Lord, even like we saw in last week's text, as you call us to love our enemies, may we not, may we not pull ourselves away from the truth and the fact that we were once enemies of you and you loved us. So help us, just as you have loved us, to love those who are hard to love. Help us this morning to uh, be generous and hospitable um, and, and charitable to those that you have placed in our lives, knowing, Lord, that we have been, we have just been the recipients of, an, of, of a lavish um, dose of, of mercy um, and grace by our Heavenly Father. And so thank you for this. Uh, we praise you for it. Lord, help us to, to lean into what your word says this morning. In your name, amen. So um, we've got some assurance and some blessing, but there's some warning too. So I've just pretty much just buttered you up, okay? I've buttered you up a little bit. It's the sandwich method. Give them something nice, then tell them something mean, and then I'll tell you something nice at the end, okay? So we're sandwiching this. Um, but Jesus does graciously assure us in this text, but there is caution and there is warning also present in this text. Um, it, it opens with, Jesus opens with this. So follow along in, in, in your copy of the Bible, please. Um, it says in Matthew chapter six, verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. And so Jesus starts off this section of his teaching um, with this general statement on practicing righteousness. Notice that in verse one, he doesn't say anything about giving, right? He just, he kind of starts with this practice, this, this overarching principle that he's going to give three examples in his teaching that follow this giving alms or almsgiving or charity, um, prayer, which we'll get to in three weeks. We'll spend two weeks on prayer. Um, and then even in fasting. And so if you're keeping up with 
the sermon of Jesus um, in, in Matthew 5 through 7. If you're keeping up, it wasn't long ago when Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But doesn't he just say now, don't practice your righteousness before others? And so it may seem like a contradiction just on the first reading, but, but I think, I think, and I think we should recognize um, that the apparent distinction that Jesus makes in these two commands, there's a, a very obvious and apparent distinction that he makes. And so before we talk about that distinction, first of all, notice that, that Jesus does not diminish or discourage good works and virtue in the, in the disciples' life. And so as people who are, who are saved by the grace of God alone, um, sometimes we kind of swing to the opposite of that nothing's supposed to accompany that. Um, and, and we know that that's a, a common thought or question in our minds because Jesus addresses it. James will later address it. The early church fathers addressed it. In fact, remember, I don't know if you know um, this, this quote, but Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, um, the early church father, he said it like this, we are saved by faith alone. We are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. And so notice that Jesus isn't diminishing practicing righteousness and doing good things, doing things, being obedient to the Savior. So James put it like this in the book of James, faith apart from works is dead in chapter four, verse 26. And so the distinction that Jesus does make here, that we said there's a distinction here, the distinction that he does make though is the motive behind the good works, is the the motive. And it boils down to this, who receives glory for your obedience? And so in Matthew 5, 16, he says, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And in this passage, he says, do not practice your righteousness in order to be seen by them. So who's receiving glory for the obedience and the righteousness that we as disciples are called to practice? And so in chapter five, Jesus deals, seems to deal a lot with our actions, talks about anger and lust and, 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 and these different topics. And then here in chapter six, Jesus is really kind of going after our, the intentions of our heart, right? Like not just our actions, but the intent of our heart. And so we, we really have nowhere to run when Jesus begins to address us as his people. And so as we are watchful and sober-minded in our Christian walk, this, Jesus will say, is one crucial area of importance. In fact, Speaking of, of Martin Luther, he, he often insisted that, and you have to catch this, he often insisted that, that our righteousness can be as harmful to us as our sin. I think Jesus is saying that. He's saying, hey, watch out, because your sin is not the only thing that's creeping up. It might be your righteousness. It might be the righteousness that, that crushes you. And we've, we've seen that. We see that in ourselves, right? That, that, man, like we begin to feel really good about ourselves when we start to, to follow and obey the Lord. And, and so what we have to be careful of and what Jesus is teaching, I think a principle he's teaching that Martin Luther later kind of puts words to is that our righteousness can be as harmful to us as even our sin. And so this is, this is what Jesus is cautioning us here. And, and, and we have to understand this because we are a deeply complex and a deeply sinful people, aren't we? Like, have you ever... Have you ever done something as a, as a, 
again, kind of like we talked about earlier, as a generous and hospitable people. And you do something just out of the goodness of your heart. You do something because it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit's work in you. And then before long, thoughts kind of start creeping into your mind. Maybe you don't receive something back that you have given. And then what, what that, I think what that may boil down to is, man, Lord, would you just help me to, to just follow and honor you rather than expecting something in return? Jesus goes on to say um, there at the end of verse one, um, that, that um, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And then he says, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Hey, I was, I was thinking about this, this this week, that it is a, a fundamental desire within us to crave attention and approval from others. So if you've, if you've got children or if you've ever witnessed the way that a child behaves, um, a child lives in this constant state of watch me, right? I mean, how many of us have, have dealt with a two-year-old that's just like, dad, watch, dad, watch. It's like, I'm watching. <laughs> dad, watch, even closer, dad, dad, watch. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't really ever grow out of that. It just takes a different shape, doesn't it? We never really grow out of this desire to be noticed and to have attention drawn to ourselves. Man, this is a like preaching to myself this morning. This is just, let's allow the spirit of God to do its work within us. And here's the thing about this, this the presence of this desire to be noticed and, and have attention. I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's always bad. Um, and in fact, I believe that God created us in such a way, I think just, just what we know from the whole of scripture, I think that God created us in such a way that in our natural unsinful state before the fall that we would long to be satisfied in, in God, that we would long for a satisfaction, that we would long ultimately to be pleasing to him. And so we, we, I think in our, in our non-sinful nature, what the way that God wires us is that what we would do would bring God glory and we would do things in order to glorify God so that we may please our Father in heaven. But, but like I said, we're deeply sinful and complex people. Sin causes us to long for notice and attention in ways and from those who cannot satisfy that longing. There's a really important principle here. And Jesus is highlighting that. Jesus is highlighting the propensity in us. And so verse two, let's go on to verse two. He says this, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So here Jesus gives us his first example. He's kind of started us off, beware of practicing your righteousness, and then here's example number one, the giving to, giving, um, to the needy. So if we've learned anything about Jesus, I won't say quite that rigidly, but one of the things that we have learned about Jesus and his vision for kingdom citizens um, through chapter five, it is that Jesus cares deeply about the way that we interact and care for and love one another, right? I mean, we, we cannot miss that Jesus is saying there's a, a, a kind of, like there's, there's a kind of ethic within the kingdom of God that, that really has implications on how we care for, love, and treat one another. 
And so when Jesus addresses this giving to the needy, it's a, it's a natural outflow of a kingdom citizen. And so as we stated earlier, the, the assumption by now in this sermon that Jesus is preaching in these chapters um, is that kingdom people are generous, selfless people. They are generous, selfless people. But Jesus also seems to state here that there is something that is able to greatly tarnish our righteous efforts to bless other people. He says, hey, here's a, here's a word of warning. And this may be a word of warning for us. It, it may be a word of warning for us. And so it comes in this, in this warning. But first notice what Jesus doesn't say. That if you behave this way in your giving, that there is no reward. Like he doesn't say, hey, um, don't, don't let other people see your, your giving or be noticed by them or else you will not be fulfilled or rewarded at all. No, he, Jesus acknowledges here that it, he's, he's kind of getting on our level. Jesus acknowledges here that it feels good to do good. He's, he's saying it feels good to be noticed for doing good. And he's even saying there is reward in meeting a need. There's reward in, in, in meeting that need. He acknowledges that. He doesn't say there's no reward if you act this way. He's saying, no, there is a reward. But what he, doesn't, what he also doesn't necessarily say is that if you have an improper motive, that you shouldn't do it at all. He's saying, you should do this. Do this. The warning that Jesus gives us here, we, have, we can't miss this. The warning that he does give here is that a temporal reward may certainly come. You're, you will feel the satisfaction. I mean, if any of you have ever, again, met a need, it feels good, doesn't it? Even if you're kind of like, who saw me? You know, who, just checking out who saw it, it does feel good when you find out, oh, someone did see that does feel good in that moment. Jesus is acknowledging that. There is a reward, but the warning that Jesus gives here is that a temporal reward may certainly come, but what I think what he's saying is that it will be all the reward you experience. He's saying, don't, don't go for cheap thrills. Don't go for cheap thrills here. You may absolutely experience a reward, but it may be all the reward that you ever experience. And so generosity, I think Jesus is saying here, is a matter of obedience and faithfulness. Um, there will be times that you don't feel like practicing this generosity. There will be times when you are unsure of your motive. And in those moments, I would encourage you still to be faithful, to, to obey the commands of Jesus, to obey the, 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 the expectation of Jesus. And, and again, obey the example of, follow the example of the early apostles, the early church throughout church history. They all looked at what Jesus said here and they said, that's our command. That's our command. We will live that way. And so let's move on to verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice again, Jesus, here's, I know you're like, you've said this a million times, but that's right, because Jesus says it twice. So notice again here that Jesus says, when you give, even after what he has just said, side note, Real quick side note. So I encouraged those of you in here who are hospitable and generous. Here's a side note. This may also serve to, to, to some in here as an invitation to begin living generously. Maybe, you've, maybe you haven't practiced generosity. I know that like, you're like, oh, here we go. We're talking about money. This isn't about the church. This isn't about Grace Harbor. This isn't about that. But what this may serve as is an invitation for you to live generously to those around you. And so there are many in here, most I would say, who live generously. And, and for those of you who I don't know if you live generously, 
you're doing really well in, in, in obeying this because nobody knows that you're doing it. And so um, this is an invitation for us because Jesus will say much about what we treasure and what we value. And generosity is one of the main ways that we practice obedience in this. And so if you hear me bragging on our people about being generous and hospitable and you think like, hey, you know what? I haven't lived into that yet. Then maybe it's an invitation for you to do that in some way to, to someone in your life. Are you supporting someone, missionaries in, in other places? Are you generous with your time and with your energy and with your finances and all those things? This is an area that Jesus will call you to obedience in. And so we, we have to kind of understand that. But Jesus takes the principle even a step further in saying, do not practice your righteousness before others. And when you, when you give to the needy, don't sound trumpets before you like the hypocrites do. He takes it a step further by saying, not only to avoid the craving that we have to be noticed by others, but to not even think highly of yourself in the act of giving. Like, don't only avoid, don't, don't only avoid allowing other people to see in a way, Jesus is saying, like, don't even allow yourself to see. Don't even allow yourself to think too highly upon yourself in giving. This is the slippery slope, right? That's where we really begin to, to understand kind of the, the place of our heart, that, that when we give, we start to think about maybe the things that we deserve back, or we think about the good that we're doing. And, and this is if I can just be honest here, I don't want to be, I don't want to be unfaithful, but if, I, but if I can be honest and I hope faithful, I can't even remember what I was about to say. If I can be honest here, it almost feels impossible to avoid this kind of mentality, doesn't it? It just, it just does. It feels like, how could I ever really lean into that? How could I ever really follow and be obedient in this area? But, but you may not notice this. This may feel like a heavy text, and we may not be catching this, we may not notice this, but Jesus is actually freeing us up here. When Jesus says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand are doing, don't even let anyone around you know what you're doing, Jesus is freeing us up. As many rules as it seems like he's laying down, Jesus is liberating us. He's freeing us from the obsession and the fascination that we have with being noticed by others. It's actually kind of exhausting, isn't it? If you've ever been in this place like I have, it's exhausting working for the, the notice and the approval and the applause of other people. It's, it's soul crushing. It's one of those things that will just take life from us. In Jesus, you can either view this as Jesus being a kind of a, a hard rule guy, or you can say, no, maybe what Jesus is doing is actually freeing me up from this propensity that I have to be obsessed and fascinated with the approval of other people. And so he's freeing us from this temptation of thinking too highly, even of ourselves, and he wants to liberate us from having to be impressive to anyone, even, even ourselves. Man, can't tell you how many times I've thought like, I'm a pretty good dude, right? I'm a, I'm a pretty stand-up guy. I got a mustache, like I just need some aviators. Like, like I'm, the, I'm the picture of, of nobility, right? Of, of nobleness, no. But this is where the blessing and the assurance and all of it comes in. So maybe you feel like, okay, man, this is me. Like, I, I really wrestle with this. I really struggle with this. And this is where Jesus, I think, brings in, he's going to, he's going to set a massive tone here, y'all. Please do not miss this. I know I've said that like three times. This is going to be something that he states and establishes that will carry us through a very large chunk of this chapter, but even to the rest of the book. This is what he says. Um, let's just 
let's, verse four, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I think Jesus is saying, hey, there's a much greater reward than being noticed by others. When those around, this is, this is the good news, y'all. This is the blessing and the assurance that we have as kingdom citizens. When those around you don't know what you're doing for the good of your neighbor and for the glory of God, when you train yourself to not even allow yourself to be overly mindful of the good you're doing, what Jesus says here is that the Father knows. God knows. Hey, when, when no one else around you notices the good that you're doing, you have a heavenly Father that knows. And this is a, like a massive biblical theological principle here. Like Exodus, we see it, we see it before Exodus, but especially Exodus chapter two, that, that the people of God are enslaved to the people of Egypt. And what does the end of chapter two, uh, two say? I believe it's 2.23. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. What Jesus is saying here is something that the early pages of scripture has established is that you have a father in heaven who is deeply aware of you as his child. And I hope that we can get ourselves in a place this morning I hope the Spirit of God can move us to a place this morning where we are more amazed by the knowledge of our Heavenly Father has of us than we are preoccupied with what kind of reward is he talking about, right? We all wanna know about like, what about these heavenly rewards? We've got all sorts of like wacky things that have come out over the years, books and movies and things like that, and, and pictures at Hobby Lobby that you're hang, hanging in your house somewhere that you know, give you pictures of the mansion that you're gonna have right? What if we were more fascinated and preoccupied, not by, again, not that it's not important because there is a biblical principle to reward. I just don't necessarily think it's the point here and we can talk about it later. But what if we were more in awe of the fact that we have a heavenly father who notices us, a heavenly father who, who, who sees and who will reward us when we give him glory. I'll, I'll tell you this, Matthew will include in this, this is, this is what I was talking about a while ago that it really sets the tone. Matthew in this gospel um, that, is, that is primarily targeted at a Jewish audience. Um, this, Matthew is writing this gospel um, to, to kind of help Jews understand that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is the king they've been waiting for. And, and in this gospel, Matthew makes dozens of references and Jesus makes dozens of references to God being our heavenly father. In fact, we, when we get to prayer, that may be one of the most powerful moments that we pray to a, like, not just Lord. God is, Jesus is Lord. God is Jehovah. God is Yahweh. But, but how powerful is it that God is all of those things and he's also our father? And, and, and Ma the book of Matthew is going to really reinforce that and really enforce that to a group of Jewish people who would not have maybe ever viewed God in that light. It was maybe irreverent to them. 
And, and Matthew and Jesus himself are saying, hey, this heavenly father, this eternal Yahweh is not just that, but he is also our father and you are his children. And so we'll look at more at that, like I said, when we jump into the next passage on prayer in a few weeks, but it's something that deserves our attention and amazement. As generous of a people that you are here in this room, may we pay very close attention to what Jesus is teaching here. May we understand the temptation and the propensity within us to seek the applause of one another in the world and how quickly, powerfully, and subtly this can take us over. I think it can ruin your life. I I think it can ruin your life. We're not gonna get into all of this, but I mean, you see just the, the presence of, 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 of mental illness and, and things like that. And that's, those are serious things. And like we see it, why I bring that up is because we see it more and more in younger and younger ages. And when it's in younger and younger ages, can I just tell you, it probably doesn't have as much to do with the kinds of things that adults struggle with. What a lot of it has to do, and there are studies and research on this, is that it is directly connected to their desire to seek approval from others around them. You see the the presence of social media and the way that that, that, that younger and younger generations are dealing with these kind of issues and struggles because of their obsession with seeking approval from someone else. And, it's, and it's, 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 it's doing a work on young people and even on us as adults. And so we must understand this temptation for us to seek the applause and how subtly, how powerfully, how quickly it can just take us over. But may we be very much more concerned with and, un- and aware of the truth that we have a God in heaven who is our father. He is our father. He's not just the father of the Jewish people. He is the father of all who would follow him for all time. And so what we may see here with Jesus is using this reward talk to put it maybe just simply and provocatively that if you give in secret, if you give in secret, you have a father who is, I know this is kind of, I don't want you feeling irreverent here or kind of gross over this, but like, if you give in secret, you have a father who is proud of you. He loves you. He's, he's proud of that. He, he takes pride in the generosity of his people because he says, that looks, that looks a lot like me. That looks a lot like what my son has done. And so we have a father who is proud. We have a father who loves us, who responds to us, and who is deeply aware of us. Hey, in a, in a society where fatherlessness is a really big thing, not just like physically, like where the, where the father is maybe physically removed, but where there's a lot of absent fathers even in the home. Man, I struggle with this all the time, like engage with my children. In a society where fatherlessness is just rampant, this truth that we have a, a Lord and a father in heaven who sees us and is deeply aware changes everything. It changes everything. And there is really nothing greater that we could desire. In fact, as the old hymn says, maybe not in context, but I think it applies here, that in light of this truth, that the things of earth would grow strangely dim compared to this, to to the truth that our Father knows us and the truth that we can be known by him and that we can know him. What an amazing truth, amen? Sorry, let me say that again. What an amazing truth, amen? That you have a Father in heaven that loves you 
and that you can be known by him and that you can know him intimately. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you that we can approach you as father. Lord, we, we thank you that we can approach you as, as father, but that, that, but that along with that, you are, you are sovereign, you are faithful, and so you are not just father in the way that many times our limited minds understand it, but you are a, a father who is capable and able um, to, to overcome even the things that, that so deeply entangle us. And so, Lord, may we just all in this room this morning humble ourselves to um, the, the reality that you have called us to live in a, in a generous way, in a giving and charitable way to others. But would you, would you help our minds go even, even higher in the truth and the reality that, that you are a father who has, has given to us everything through sending your son Jesus and his sacrifice for us on the cross. So may we, may we trust that this morning. May we believe that. And, and we need your Holy Spirit to help us to believe because some days we don't. And so Lord, would you just help us in that? Lord, as we approach the table this morning, um, we approach um, out of a humility with open hands, with empty hands, because it reminds us that in our salvation, we have nothing to bring. And yet when we, when we approach you and when we encounter you, we, we walk away with, with hands that are filled. And Lord, that's what these elements remind us of, that the blood of Christ is sufficient, that the sacrifice of Christ is um, what has purchased our salvation. So Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, um, may you just allow them to, to know you in a deep and intimate way knowing that you're a, a father who loves, um, a father who chases after, um, and a father who is, is not hiding or hard to find. Um, so we thank you for this time that we have to respond to um, the, the truth of this text um, through, through practicing what, what your son has commanded. Um, we love you and pray these things in the, the name of Jesus. Amen.